G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Thanks for joining brothers and sisters around the world for a very special Christmas Eve edition of Leading the Way with pastor and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Youssef. Today we look at the powerful words in Psalm 110, pointing you past the baby of Bethlehem to the resurrected, ascended Jesus, sitting in the seat of honour on the right hand of the Father. Listen along with me to Dr. Michael Yusuf on Leading the Way. Last message from Psalm 2. We looked and saw how God, a thousand years before Christ, revealed the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we saw the function and the role of each member of the Trinity in Psalm chapter 2. And here, 1,000 years before the first Christmas, in Psalm 110, God reveals to us Jesus as reigning and ruling supreme over the universe. (laughs) Jesus with His ruling power over the world. In Psalm 110, again, like Psalm 2, is one of the greatest prophetic messianic prophecy of all of the Old Testament. In fact, Psalm 110 is the most directly quoted at least 27 times in the New Testament. It is quoted by Mark and Luke and Acts, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Hebrews, 1 Peter, all quoting Psalm 110. And Psalm 110 is all about the divine power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about His kingly power. It's all about His high priestly power. It's all about His judicial power power. It's all about His power of intercession. It's about the vastness of His power over the universe, even now as we're sitting in this place. Now, there is no psalm or passage in the Old Testament that clearly spells the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ like Psalm 110. I want to give you a 30-second history lesson, okay? God said to David, King David of Israel, through the prophet Nathan, who came to deliver God's message to him, that God will have his descendant to permanently sit on the throne of Israel. In other words, the Messiah will be a descendant of David, the physical descendants of David. Here in Psalm 110, God the Holy Spirit directly spoke to David as he was putting down pen to paper on Psalm 110. And he said that your son is not going to only be the son of David, but he's going to be the son of God. The God-man Jesus. David sees Jesus 
who is a physical descendant of his from the tribe of Judah, to be far greater than King David himself. He's far greater. That's why he calls him Lord. God the Father told God the Son to sit at his right hand until he makes all of his enemies to be his footstool. Ah, this is not the Jesus that the masses want to believe in. This is not the Jesus who is welcomed in the halls of power. This is not the Jesus that the masses really want to submit to. An Islamic scholar said, we are happy to accept Jesus, the Son of Mary, but not the Jesus, the Son of God. But that's precisely why he was crucified, because he called himself the Son of God, and he proved it. A thousand years before Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea, God the Father said, His Son will be none other than the Son of God, who will rule and reign over the universe. In Matthew 22, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself applied the words of the psalmist to His life, saying that after He pays for the wages of our sins on the cross, He will be enthroned in heaven. And beloved, this is where Jesus is right now. He's reigning and ruling over the rim of the universe. (laughs) Even though they cannot see it, with their physical eyes, even though they do not acknowledge it now, even though they cannot accept it now. But for those of us, through the eyes of faith, we know that His power is supreme, that His Word is final, that His sovereignty is a reality, and His authority is indisputable. Now, you have to understand, in the ancient world, when there are kings basically supreme kings, when they throw a banquet, when they give a big banquet, as you read sometimes in the Old Testament, Cyrus of Persia and others, and you see it. Whenever they threw a big banquet, whoever sits at the right hand of the king is the most honored guest. He's not only the honored person, but it is the most significant seat But it's not only the most significant seat, it's the most privileged place. But that seat only is occupied by someone who has all of the king's authority. It is occupied by someone who has all of the king's power. He is the one who carries the signet ring for the king. In other words, he will make all the decisions, and the king basically blesses it. Listen to me. When Jesus walked the streets of our earth, He was scorned and reviled. He was harassed and taunted. He was mocked and rejected. He was arrested and unjustly tried in a kangaroo court. He was betrayed by His friends. He was forsaken by His disciples. And when He hung on that cross, at that very moment, everyone thought, it's over. It's over. They thought their dreams were shattered. They thought their hope was dead. But thousand years before Christ was born in Bethlehem, God told us that when you see that happen, it's not over. It's not over. And thus He rose from the dead on the third day. 
And 40 days later, after his resurrection, he was ascended into heaven. And there, when he got to heaven, God the Father said, Son, welcome home. (laughs) Welcome home. Welcome home. Sit at my right-hand side until I make your enemies to be your footstool. See, the Jesus of whom Psalm 110 speak is the resurrected, ascended, glorified, soon-coming judge Jesus. Every human being, every human being on the face of the earth can make one of two choices. You don't have a third option. Only two. You can know Him now as your Lord and Savior and friend, or you risk for all of eternity become His footstool. That's the choice. That's the choice every human being has. Look with me, please, at verses 2 and 3. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. That's where it started, but it's going to extend throughout the universe. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. The troops, that's your troops, will be willing in the day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn. You received the dew of your youth. This is a picture of how kings ruled in the past. Kings do not stand up and make pronouncements like we have a speech, a president will give a speech. No, no. Sovereigns, when they make a pronouncement, when they're announcing the rule, when they're making big decisions, they sit down. They sit down as they rule and express their sovereignty. And that is why the God the Father said to God the Son, sit at my right hand, because that's from where you're going to exercise power. That's from where you're going to exercise your sovereignty. That's from where you're going to announce, and you're going to rule, and you're going to heal, and you're going to touch, and you're going to change and transform lives. Before Christ and after Christ, the glorified Messiah Jesus sits down. The glorified Messiah Jesus is expanding His kingdom all over the globe, all over the globe. How? Through His willing servants, His willing servants, through His willing children, through His willing soldiers of the cross. That's you and me. That's you and me. That's how He is going to extend His rule, through you and me, sharing Christ with neighbors and friends. That's how this prophecy is fulfilled in you and in me. Question, how is he ruling now? Right now, while he is ruling on the rim of the universe, he's also ruling in the hearts of his children. If Jesus is not ruling in your heart, you have not accepted him as Savior and Lord yet. His subjects are living in enemy's territories. He rules in the hearts of his children while they're living in enemy's territories. The subjects of the king are living in enemy's territories. Jesus' disciples are everywhere. They are in Saudi Arabia, they're in Pakistan, they're in India, they're in China, they're in Indonesia, they're in Australia, they're in the United Kingdom, they're in the United States. They are everywhere, in every corner of the globe, no matter where they're living, whether it be democracy or despotism, it doesn't matter. Jesus is reigning and ruling in the hearts of His subjects. Being faithful and working to extend of His kingdom, they are willing servants. 
They're willing servants. See, that's the fulfillment of that song. They are inviting their friends and neighbors to come and know Jesus and to submit to His authority as King. And many of them do this at the cost of their lives, knowing that if their family found out, a member of their family could kill them. They could give them to the authorities, and they would torture them. But they tell you, I am telling you, trust me, I've seen the joy on their faces. And they said, this is so small a thing to price to pay in relationship to the one who shed his blood on the cross for me. Please don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. The greatest contrast between earthly king, earthly rulers, in relationship to their subject with the King Jesus, the King of heaven, is this. Earthly rulers and earthly kings have geographical boundaries. This is the territory of my country. But Christ does not. King Jesus has no boundaries. Earthly rulers lead their subject to war so that they can extend their territories. King Jesus does not. Earthly rulers kill their enemies. Not King Jesus. He invites His enemies to come and believe in Him. The psalmist said, Jesus rules in the midst of His enemies, in the midst of His enemies' territories. He is reigning and ruling. Please listen to me. Christians are hated and persecuted and killed in the land of despots. Because they are despots, they do not want their subjects' primary allegiance to King Jesus. They want it to be to them. (laughs) And here is the irony. Here is the irony. Listen carefully. Jesus' followers are the most law-abiding people. They're the most law-abiding citizens. Uh, Jesus' followers are those who pray for their leaders and their rulers. Oh, but they will never, ever bow the knee to anyone other than King Jesus. Jesus prayed that they'll be in the world, but not of it. We are called upon to be there. Don't abdicate. Don't abdicate where God has called you to be. We are called upon to love those who call themselves enemies of God. We are called upon to pray for those who call themselves to be enemies of Jesus. We are called upon to persuade the enemies of God to turn to Him, to believe in Him, and to be blessed by Him. Amen. And furthermore, we must do all of that willingly, as the prophecy said. Willingly, not under compulsion. We said, oh, I've got to do this. I guess it's my duty to do it. No, 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 no. You do it with joy. Here again, look at it in the text. Your troops will be willing. Say that with me. Your troops will be willing. Not conscripted. (laughs) Not conscripted. Willing. The question is this. Are you a willing soldier? Are you a willing subject? Have you ever presented yourself to the Lord and says, Lord Jesus, I'm reporting for duty. I'm reporting for duty. 
here I am. Use me. The average person says, Lord, here I am. Send my sister. (laughs) No, my beloved. Here I am. Send me. Send me. Regardless of the cost of discipleship, send me. But Jesus does not only have kingly power as he sits on the throne on the right hand of the Father, but secondly, he has high priestly power. High priestly power. Look at verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. When you go home, read Genesis chapter 14. Read about Melchizedek, who met Abraham as he coming victoriously from the battle. And then Abraham literally bowed to him, and he gives him 10% of his net worth. Not 10% of his income, 10% of his net worth. And he hands it to him. It's not surprising that Jesus said, Abraham saw my days and rejoiced. And they want to kill him. You're not even 50 years old. How can you say, Abraham saw your day? That's what he's talking about. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. The king of righteousness. The king of righteousness. Here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing in the Old Testament. Back then, there was called what we say in America, I don't know about the rest of the world, but we call in America separation of powers. Separation of powers. I'm not going to get into this, but I think the founders got the idea from the Bible. The separation of power was ordained by God in the Old Testament. And he said the king must always do the work of the king, not the priest's job. And the priest must not do the king's job. The priest should do the priestly work, and the kings do the kingly work. And you remember in the Bible, when dear old King Saul, bless his heart, he he just could not wait for Samuel to get here, and then he did the work of the priest, and he offered sacrifice. And he received the worst, the worst of condemnation. His whole family line was cut off. Ah, He mixed the powers. God called him to be king, not priest. And I'm saying this for a reason. You must understand this. This is unique. This is unique in the Christian faith. But even the high priest in the Old Testament who would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer sacrifice for the sins of the people, everyone who have sinned right after that day will have to wait another year to know if their sins were forgiven or not. They have waited for a year in guilt and shame and misery with burdened conscience. Oh, praise God we live in the New Testament. I don't know about you. I bless God every day that I live in the New Testament. Because now in the New Testament, because Jesus is our great high priest, the King of heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven the moment we confess and repent. But there's more. There's more. Because our high priest, who is also king, cannot be changed every few years. And in the Levitical system, the high priest changed every few years. 
But praise God, our great high priest does not change. He is forever. He said in the order of Melchizedek, forever. Because the decree of God the Father that Jesus is the only one now and forevermore. He's our only, not only king, but the great high priest. Melchizedek was called the king of Salem, that is the king of peace. Why? Because he not only represented permanent priesthood, not only represented permanent rule and sovereignty, but he also represented the power, the power of continuous intercession. Continuous intercession. Listen to me. I don't care what background you come from or what denominational background you come from. There is only one intercessor between man and God, and his name is Jesus, the great high priest. A pope cannot intercede for you. A saint cannot intercede for you. A priest cannot intercede between you and God. Only the high priest, King Jesus, can intercede for you in heaven. You see, Melchizedek was a picture of Jesus. He was a shadow, a foreshadow of the coming Jesus, because Christ is our true high priest, King of peace. He's the King of peace. Christ, our true intercessor. Nobody else can intercede for you except for Jesus. He paid the price for that ability to stand in the gap between every human being and God the Father. Not only Jesus' kingly power is prophesied, not only Jesus' permanent high priestly intercession power is prophesied, but Jesus' judiciary power is prophesied. He's the only judge. He's the only judge. When He sits on the judge's bench on that last day, Every human being on the face of the earth are going to be judged by King Jesus. That is why the Apostle Paul in Acts 17, he said, The time of ignorance God has overlooked, but now He commands everyone everywhere to repent, for He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world by this man, Jesus, whom He raised from the dead. My prayer and the cry of my heart that He may give us the faith, the eyes of faith to visualize our glorified Jesus reigning and ruling in heaven right now. My prayer that everyone at the sound of my voice no more see the helpless babe in Bethlehem, no more see the helpless body hanging on the cross. The Apostle Paul said, we know Him after the flesh no more. He's no longer a baby. He's no longer on that cross. He is now the glorified, magnified, reigning, and ruling King Jesus. It is my prayer and the prayer of my heart, because He is soon coming judge, and you better be on the right side of the judge. In Jesus, our high priest, no longer a baby in the manger, no longer nailed to a cross, no longer in the grave, but resurrected and sitting on the right hand of the Father. 
If today's words have challenged your view of Jesus and Christmas, maybe it'd help if you spoke with one of our caring, leading-the-way team members, or dug deeper into the easy-to-digest content specifically about Jesus and salvation. Here's where to start, ltw.org slash Jesus. In case you missed that, you can always call our resource number at 1300 133 589. A friendly ministry representative will be happy to give you details on how to connect with a pastoral team member. one 133 589 Now before we go, and since it's Christmas Eve, please enjoy some Christ-centred Christmas music from the Church Dr. Yusuf Pastors, the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 